Good evening. It sure is good to see all of you tonight. I was just having a good day today here at Grace Point. I don't know about you, but I was here this morning and I felt blessed to be a part of the church. And I was thinking, why is that? What is, what is this that makes me so thankful for this church? And I figured out uh, at least two things. One was I just sense the Spirit of God when I'm here and when we're worshiping together. And I hear people say this to me over and over again. And then also the people here love one another. And, um, and that's our goal. And I feel that, feel that so strongly and feel blessed to be a part of this church. And I'm grateful to see all of you tonight. And I have some special friends here uh, with me tonight from the Hope House program. They're in the second row. Make sure you say hi to them uh, before they leave tonight. They are some favorite people of mine. And uh, we get to know each other on Sunday nights, and they are just these beautiful, courageous women um, in my life. And God is doing amazing things in their lives. And so it blesses me to know them. And before the sermon is over, you're going to actually hear from one of them. So I'm excited that that's going to happen tonight. His disciples strained, leaning in, as their teacher expounded on words meant not only for their ears, but for the forming of their hearts. Blessed are the poor in spirit. And I wonder if Peter's heart lurched. Did he fight back the self-sufficiency that was rising up in his veins? And I wonder if John's heart was touched next. John, the one that Jesus called beloved as Jesus continued. Blessed are they who mourn, for they will be comforted. Yes, they would mourn, but I doubt they realized it yet. You see, it was too early. Judas heard the next words, along with all the rest of them. But perhaps the spirit of defiance was already beginning to take root. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. See, no one would ever be able to forget these words. So strange, this heavenly kingdom. Brought in not with great force, but with poverty and humility. These are the qualities I'm supposed to desire? This is the good life? What have I signed up for? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons and daughters of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. And before long they heard, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. A fitting conclusion. You see, Jesus wrapped this package of brokenness up with a string, dishing up their purpose in a two-minute call, not to be all you can be, but to leave their self-reliance behind. And the irony of all of this is that Jesus may have said it with a smile, Congratulations. This is the heavenly kingdom, and you are a part of it. 
All of this is a celebration of God's good work in your life. Fortunate are you when you are utterly and completely broken. Really, teacher? Did I get that right? Yeah. Yeah, you did. You see, it was as if Jesus was saying to his disciples, Blessed are the broken, for they are the ones who get it. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, it just doesn't make sense to us. Blessed are the broken and the poor in spirit. And yet in your kingdom, it makes perfect sense. So we thank you that the last will be first. And that with you, you honor those who are completely dependent on you. So help us to understand and to know and to learn what it means to be broken. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Did you know the Sermon on the Mount is one of the most popular places to go in the Bible? It's the first teaching recorded by Jesus in the book of Matthew. And I've actually noticed that people that are not of the Christian faith, and they might not have any faith at all, are really drawn to this passage, to its beauty and its simplicity. And I get that. I get that when I read it. In fact, pastor and theologian Dallas Willard said that the Sermon on the Mount is the best gift that Jesus ever gave us. Aside from himself and the gift of salvation, in his name, the Sermon on the Mount is the best gift. Well, in the first few verses of the sermon that we're going to look at tonight, Jesus actually pushes past all the power and the control that humans have try to have on themselves and on others around them. They try, we often try to get our own way. Often that is what we are about. And he says to his 12 disciples, if you want to be a part of my kingdom, if you want to be a true disciple of mine, then these are the qualities that you're going to possess. You won't be a loser if your life is shaped this way, however much it might seem like it at the time. Your reward is a relationship with God that starts right now and lasts for all eternity. You know, and honestly, the disciples, as they were listening to Jesus, they didn't have to work really hard to figure out what this looked like. Do you know why? They only had to look at Jesus. They only had to walk how, look at how he walked and talked and ate and ministered and gave because Jesus could have congratulated himself. He actually possessed all of these qualities. See, the kingdom of heaven had arrived and it came in the form of a person. Blessed are the broken, he said, for they are the ones who get it. And I'll admit, since I was a little girl, I've been a fan of the Beatitudes. Anybody else been a fan of the Beatitudes? All eight of them. I thought they were pretty cool. I kind of didn't have them right, though. I kind of looked at the Beatitudes as something where if I do this, I get this kind of thing. So in other words, if I'm really needy and poor in spirit and I go around doing that, then maybe I can be a part of the kingdom of heaven. And maybe if I cry then Jesus will comfort me. 
And that's the way I looked at the Beatitudes. But you know what? That's exactly what Jesus is not saying here in this passage, that we can do any of this in our own power. Instead, Jesus is making an announcement that with his coming, the world is going to be turned right side up again. And so he's issuing an invitation to us. Accept me. Enter this new kingdom. And miraculously, you will naturally start to be the person that I'm talking about. That's a big promise. And you see, still today, many of us think that the good life is about success and power and fame and money and comfort. But Jesus says, no. The poor and the meek are the ones for whom I have wonderful news. These are the ones who get it. The ones who receive what I have to offer. Blessed are the broken, for they are the ones who get it. What does that mean exactly? See, tonight we can ask some of the same types of questions that the disciples must have been asking themselves. What does it mean to be broken or to be poor in spirit? For instance, can I be broken and still have a nest egg, save for retirement? Can I be broken and still be popular in the church youth group or on my volleyball team? What does it look like to be broken after I find freedom from an addiction and I don't seem to need Jesus quite as desperately? As I did before. Jesus, will you teach us what does it mean to be broken and poor in spirit? Well, here's a quote on brokenness from the book, So This is Faith by Kevin Sturat. I hope you'll listen carefully to this. There is a freshness to life, a new vitality that comes through the abandonment of the kind of pride that says, I know what to do. I have the answers. I have the things that I need. We learn that God blesses those who know they are poor. Poverty isn't the blessing. It is the attitude of recognizing our absolute dependence on God that brings us into new character. It begins with the complete belief that we are empty-handed before God. We have nothing to call our own and nothing to fall back on. We're exposed to the elements of life and are at God's mercy for survival. It means we recognize that all we have cannot save us or protect us. God alone is our resource and he alone is our protection. We refuse to be impressed by our knowledge or abilities. We refuse to play the game of comparisons. I'm better than this person because. No. We are all poverty stricken before God. We bring nothing to the table to bargain with. We are completely dependent on his grace for our survival. Blessed are the broken. For they are the ones who get it. So question for you, are you broken tonight? Are you completely dependent on God 
for what you need in your circumstances in your life? Do you believe that only he can truly give you life? I love that verse in John 10.10 where Jesus says, I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. See, that life is only available to those who embrace their brokenness, who come empty-handed to God, knowing only their Savior can save them and only he can heal them. So we're all broken, right? Are we all broken? Yes. But will we acknowledge that brokenness before God? And will we receive the gifts that brokenness brings? Honestly, this has been my lifelong struggle. To be humbled, to be dependent, and to be needy. It's tough for me. I'm a perfectionist. Any other perfectionists in here? Okay. No, okay, just me. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'm also a recovering people pleaser. Any of those? Oh, there's a few more of those. Okay, good. I'm not alone. <laughs> well, I have at times fought the brokenness that brings us true life. God continues to teach me that brokenness is a gift. Along the way, I have discovered a few things that brokenness gives us. If we're ready to receive them. So please don't miss them. Don't tune them out. And don't think that the person next to you needs to hear about the gifts that brokenness brings. I really hesitate to use the words life-changing because I think those words are really overused. But in my life, they have been life-transforming. And I don't believe I'd be here tonight talking with you without them. So here's the first gift that brokenness brings us. Our brokenness instructs us. And the Apostle Paul was a shining example of the kind of brokenness that God inspires. In 2 Corinthians 4, 7, he says, We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God, not from us. And you know, he goes on to say that all this suffering we're going through, all the pain, that we're experiencing is temporary. But what we don't see, what we can't see right now, is eternal. See, there's a clear difference, and that difference shows us how to embrace our brokenness here and now, even as our hearts are longing to be whole for eternity in the presence of Jesus. When we are poor in spirit, we yearn for God. I had a former pastor that understood this principle very well. His name is Pastor Tim. And he would come up to me in the hall at church, and he would ask a question that maybe it was the most inappropriate question to ask in church. I don't know, but I've never heard anyone else ask it. So he'd nail me. He'd come up to me in the hall, and he would say, How's your heart? Just right in the middle of the church hallway. How's your heart? And I would say, Uh, mm, uh fumble around for words, I didn't know how to respond to that because I was used to keeping my mask firmly in place in church. And I didn't believe that anyone else really wanted to know how I was doing or what was going on. And so Pastor Tim called me on it. And so you know what? In time, I actually told him. 
And in fact, Pastor Tim was the one I went to when a dating relationship broke up. Pastor Tim was the one I went to when I lost my job. Pastor Tim was the one I went to when I was struggling with a deep depression. Well, one day, Pastor Tim was speaking in Sunday school. He started sharing his story, and he said um, he was actually abused as a child. He grew up to be an angry man, and it almost destroyed his marriage. In fact, he told the story of how he and his wife went out on a boat, and they took their wedding rings off. They threw them in the lake, and they said, God, with your help, we're going to start over. We're going to do this right. With tears in his eyes, he talked about how he was choosing to allow the areas of greatest brokenness in his life to transform him, to help him how to know God, to know God and to serve others. See, his brokenness had instructed him. His brokenness had actually changed his life when he allowed it to be used by God, to allow God to recycle it to gloriously transform it. He never wanted to forget his need for God. And so now the question, how's your heart, has become one of my favorites. Because you see, it's a good barometer of where we're at with God, of how dependent we are on him in the middle of all that's going on. Jesus says, blessed are the broken, for they are the ones who get it. So thanks to Pastor Tim for teaching me that our brokenness instructs us. And if we let it, our brokenness also heals us. See, most of us do a fine job of covering up our weaknesses. Do you know anybody that likes to celebrate their weaknesses? Very few of us do. But the Apostle Paul is coming to mind again, right? Because what didn't the Apostle Paul go through, really, if you think about it? But there's a scripture in 2 Corinthians 12 that has become especially precious to some of us. See, in these verses, Paul is talking about all these great things that God has allowed in his life. And then he stops and he says, To keep me from becoming conceited over all these amazing things in my life, God has given me a thorn in the flesh. See, that was a physical weakness of some kind that was breaking his spirit. And I'm actually glad that we don't know what the thorn was, because we can insert our thorn in that scripture passage. In verse 8, Paul writes, Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. And that is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then... I am strong. Boasting in weakness? Weakness is a tool of healing in our lives. Weak spots being the places that God can fill up with himself. 
If the Apostle Paul were here tonight, he would say, yes. Now, it's actually hard for me to share my personal testimony of how God has been healing me through brokenness because it exposes me. And I don't like to be seen as weak. Do you? But you know what? I will share and I will continue to share it over and over again. Because I believe that the name of God is glorified in it. And I want everyone to know that Jesus heals us, can heal us through our brokenness. When I was born, I was born with two swollen feet. My left foot went down immediately in the hospital, but my swelling always remained in my right foot. For a while, I had to wear baby booties instead of baby shoes. For about six weeks, doctors felt pretty sure that I had Turner's Syndrome, which would mean that I would grow up to be a person that would be termed special needs. And six weeks after I was born, the test results came back, and they were negative. I did not have Turner's Syndrome. Still, the swelling remains to this day. And you wouldn't believe the medical equipment, the specialists, the procedures, the hospitals, the poking and the prodding that I've been through. My leg is disfigured, and to this day it's hard to find shoes that will fit me. The swelling is actually completely unexplained. There's no structural reason for it. As a child, I was called fat foot by people at recess. This condition has sidelined me from many activities and tempered my ambitions. It's a daily issue to spend time caring for myself so that I can live and minister and do the things that I want to do. I am so thankful that I can walk. Partially as a result of this physical condition, I have also experienced deep depression and anxiety. There is more to my story. But suffice it to say, I was a proud person at one time, a person who followed all the rules at the expense of sharing grace with myself and with other people. In fact, one friend, a very good friend of mine, told me that she would never have wanted to be my friend back in college. But she was so thankful for the way God had used brokenness in my life to transform me as a person. You see, God has used the thorns in my flesh to humble me. And at times, it has felt like everything good in my life was being taken away from me. But God never left me. And each time I'm caring for my leg, I'm being reminded of how much I need God. At times in my journey, I would cry out to the Lord, praying scripture back to him and asking him to help me. And one of the scriptures I would pray was Psalm 18:19. You brought me out into a spacious place. You rescued me because you delighted in me. So I need you to know tonight that God is faithful. I am in a spacious place and he delights in me. And here's the beautiful thing about my brokenness. Not a week goes by when I don't encourage 
or minister to someone who is struggling emotionally or physically. And this is what I can say to them them now. I know this is hard, but your brokenness is a gift. See, those who have it all together rarely realize their need for God. Our broken places are a gateway to healing. God wants to use everything you are going through right now, and in the process, he wants to show you himself. See, sometimes I actually get tears in my eyes when I realize that the very brokenness that God has allowed in my life is what actually qualifies me to minister to people. Now I see brokenness in someone's life and I actually start getting excited because I think, what is God going to do through this person's brokenness? Blessed are the broken, for they are the ones who get it. So our brokenness can be used as a tool to heal us. And ultimately, it's our brokenness that also frees us. Nowhere do I see this come to life more vividly than in my work on Sunday nights with the women of the Hope House Recovery Program. See, each Sunday night I have this awesome privilege of leading the Celebrate Recovery Bible study with these women, usually about five to ten women who are in recovery from either drug or alcohol addiction. See, these ladies are broken, and they know it. And the only difference between them and us is that they admit it. It's a good place to be. The first of the 12 steps in Alcoholics Anonymous actually says that we are powerless to help ourselves. And I could tell you story after story of what God is doing and has done in that Bible study because his word is powerful there. And I see lives changed when people understand our Savior's love for us. But I really don't want to do that tonight. I want you to hear it from one of the ladies herself. So I'd like to invite Jennifer to go ahead and come up here, and she's going to share her story with us. Hello, my name is Jennifer, and I'm an addict. My story starts when I was seven years old. My parents were separated, and both were addicts. So I learned at a young age that drugs and alcohol were okay. I was also molested at age seven by one of my mother's boyfriends. That really traumatized me. My childhood was stolen from me. I felt so alone. I had also become like a mother to my sister. Then my mother met the man who would become her husband. And so also an addict and an alcoholic. My mom became clean, but I became rebellious. Needless to say, I was in and out of juvenile detention center. Then I spent two years in girls' school. When I got out, drugs and alcohol were still the biggest part of my life. I became pregnant at 16, and by the time I was 21, I was married and had three children. At age 27, I lost my husband due to an overdose. I fell even deeper into a depression 
turning to my addictions to drugs and alcohol. This is what this went on for about five years. During that time, I went through all kinds of men. I destroyed the rest of my life. Child Protection Services took my children. At that point, I had asked for help. I was completely broken. And they placed me in the Hope House program. I have been clean and sober now for four months. Coming to the Hope House also led me to meet God and to dedicate my life to him and his ways. A few weeks ago in our Celebrate Recovery meeting, I told the group that my emptiness was gone now and that it was all because of Jesus. Without God and Celebrate Recovery, I could have not gotten to where I am now. I have found that all things are possible with him. I never realized how much I really needed him in my life until I thought I was too far gone for anyone to help. But he was there with arms wide open. He teaches me new things each and every day. And one day when he and I feel I am ready, I believe I will have our children back home with me. I believe today that if God brings you to it, he will bring you through it. Thank you. It is just a joy to watch the ways and to hear the ways that Jesus is irresistible to Jennifer. Because you see, no one heals like our Savior does. And there's no kingdom or power that can offer hope like God's kingdom can. So do you see how our brokenness frees us? See, it's a great discovery to know that I do not need to control my life and try to look for things to satisfy that will never satisfy me. When we're set free from our brokenness, our heart soars. We want to sing, we want to dance, and we want to celebrate because brokenness frees us. I hesitate to say this, but bring on the brokenness. (laughs) Are you ready for it? Will you fully enter into God's kingdom empty-handed and looking for him to provide for you? And will you humble yourself? Then you will be blessed. When we accept what Jesus has done for us, in pain for our sins, and ask him to come into our lives, he begins a beautiful transformation in us. You see, we naturally start to become poor in spirit. We go about being merciful. We are realistic, yet cheerful in the face of opposition and challenges. We inherit the kingdom of heaven, and our lives are never the same. So you, will you answer this question for me tonight? How's your heart? 
Are you fully embracing your weakness so God's power can be made perfect in your life? See, if you haven't invited Jesus to start this transformation, you can do it tonight. He's willing. Are you? It is his kindness that leads us to repentance. When we admit we've sinned and we accept what he's done on our behalf, he will come in. So don't leave tonight without making sure that you know Christ. If you've been walking with Jesus for some time, but you're like me and you're still discovering what does this mean to be broken, to allow your brokenness to be used by God. I want you to think about the invitation of Jesus too. Are you God dependent in everything? Is there any way in which you are still trying to live life on your terms instead of letting the Spirit of God do all that he wants to do in your life? Maybe God is actually speaking to you and he's saying, you know what? You could share your story of brokenness like Susie or Jennifer did tonight. And it could make a difference in my kingdom. So I hope you'll listen as God is speaking to you. And I'd like to ask that we close our eyes right now for a brief prayer of examination. Just a few questions that will help us to gauge where our hearts are at with God. Are you ready to turn from your selfishness and ask Jesus to take away the guilt of your sins to begin a new relationship with him? If you haven't done that before, you can do it tonight. If you know Jesus already, Are you willing to yield complete control of your life to him? To be broken before him so he can heal and free you. And lastly, I wonder, is God asking you to share a story of how God used your brokenness to allow his strength and power to shine through with someone else. You can open your eyes now. I'd like to close tonight with a benediction for you. Jesus' love compels us to seek his kingdom first, to die to ourselves, just as he gave up his life for us and to embrace brokenness as the path to true life. So go out with gladness in your hearts, thanking God for the blessings of brokenness. Be open to the instruction, healing, and freedom that comes from standing before God empty-handed, dependent on his grace in everything. And may you be blessed because of it.